0: Welcome back to Mama Mystery. I am your host, Kelly. Real quick before we get started, I do apologize that I have this vocal fry going on. I know don't that. Apologize
1: for your voice.
0: Listen, I'm going to because I listen to a lot of podcasts, and one thing that I see when it comes to like negative reviews is when someone has vocal fry. It like it really irritates some people for some reason. Not, not not our reviews. I've just seen them on other people's reviews. So they say I don't like the way their voice sounds. Literally, yes. I mean, it's a podcast, so you you need to have a good voice. You got a good voice. Well, thank you, but I've been an incredible s-
1: voice. <laughs> <laughs>
0: just anyway, um, really. yeah, I uh, I've been sick for like what seems like ever, and it's just not going away. So we're just going to deal with it. We're going to power through. Power through. So a couple updates in some big stories that we've covered in the past. Okay, one we haven't covered yet, and that is the Duggar case. Okay, so. Nineteen kids and counting. Have you heard of that show? I've heard of the Duggars. Yes, the Duggars. Okay, so the oldest son, Josh Duggar, he was um, charged with having child pornography on his computer back in <sighs> I think May, and as of today, like literally just a couple hours ago, he was convicted, like found guilty of having and distributing child porn on his computer at work. So disgusting. If you
1: have, I'm not making an exception for that at all. That's dirt pack. But if you have 19 kids, there's got to be some problems, right? Like, you, like you're going to have one that gets into some legal trouble. There's
0: got to be at least one bad ache out of 19, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you would think. So anyway, um, I put on our Instagram story, if anyone was interested in hearing the story of the Duggars and all that legal trouble, because it didn't just start with this. It actually started back in like 2012 when he admitted that he had – molested some of his own sisters it's it's crazy it's crazy but if you're interested in that kind of thing if you want us to do an episode on that because it's not quite what we usually talk about there's no murder involved in that story but um if you're interested let us know and we'll we'll do an episode on it so that's one update Scott Peterson. You remember the Scott and Lacey Peterson case?
1: I remember, like, I just remember the name is what it reminded me. Is this the one where he drove to the fishing, the boat park, mm-hmm. and I told you he had time and you didn't?
0: Think yeah, we it? really disagreed and, like, almost got into a big fight at the yeah, end of that episode. You up, yeah, you
1: abusing me after that. Go ahead.
0: Well, big news in that case, we covered this case in episode 12, which was a long time ago, but Scott was convicted in 2004 for the murders of his wife, Lacey, and unborn son, Connor, and he was sentenced to death. But as of yesterday, Scott Peterson's death sentence has been formally reversed and he's been resentenced sentenced to just life in prison without the possibility of parole. So that's a big update. I mean, he hasn't been found, like, not guilty. It's just his sentence got changed. Why? Um, I think it has to do with, um, like, misconduct in the trial. I guess one of the jury members didn't disclose that she had been involved in a previous case and she lied about her involvement in a separate Case something along those lines. I can't remember the specifics, but um, anyway, you can you can argue that that would uh, justify like a mistrial. So I don't know if that's exactly why or if he's gonna end up getting a new trial or not i I don't know, but Lacey's family appeared in court for that resentencing and addressed Scott and Lacey's mom, Sharon, who was always a very vocal advocate for her daughter and grandson said, quote, you didn't want the responsibility of being a father. You're a coward. He would have been 18 years old by now. Ten months ago, you would have been free of child support and not have to worry about being responsible for a child. Lacey and Connor will always be dead and you will always be their murderer. And you and I kind of went toe-to-toe on this um, case because we kind of disagreed on if we thought he was guilty or not.
1: I I don't really remember the hardcore details. I remember something about a boat ticket in the park and this and that. And I don't know.
0: Yeah. Just arguing, like, the coincidentals of it and if he got a fair trial and just all these things. If you're interested, go listen to it. I'm still not 100% convinced that he is guilty, and I know a lot of people disagree with me on that, which is totally fine. But, um, yeah, that case is really interesting. I just don't know, and I never will know. Nope. Okay, another update in the Delphi murders. Do you remember the the case of the Delphi murders? Was the, this the down one? the hill?
1: Was oh yeah, yeah. The, where there was the video recording of the guy saying "go down the hill" or yes. something, and then that's all they had, and they never found the guy.
0: Correct. So there's a recent update in that case, um, which we covered in that episode. was a crazy
1: case. Sorry, go ahead. Episode what? Thirty-seven. I was going to say go back and listen to it. Yeah, that ep- was a weird one.
0: It's weird. It's eerie. I mean, that is one that like is liable to make me lose sleep at night. Yeah, Just
1: a creepy, like the the eeriness of it not being solved and the guy and the sketches of him and the, like the chick that was one of the victims, she turned her phone on and recorded him and Mm. there was a video of him saying down the hill and then that's really all they have, right? Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, just a quick recap in February of 2017, two girls, Abby 13 and Liberty 14, went on a hike in the Delphi Historic Trails in Delphi, Indiana, but they never returned and they were found murdered on like a hillside along the um, train train tracks the following day. And like we said, the eeriest thing about this case is that one of them recorded a man walking toward them on her Snapchat. So he was walking toward them on this railroad bridge. And then there's a separate sound clip um, from a video. We haven't, seen, it hasn't been released like the rest of the video, but I'm, I'm pretty sure there's more, um, but it's of this man's voice saying down the hill, telling them to go down this hill. It is so unsettling. Just eerie. Yes. But even with all of that evidence, This case has still not been solved, but on Monday, December 6th, detectives with the Carroll County Sheriff's Office and Indiana State Police asked for help regarding this social media account with the name Anthony underscore Shots. So apparently this account was used on Snapchat and Instagram in 2016 and 17, and it was a catfish account. So according to an article on WDRB.com, Police say that the account was using pictures of this attractive male model, who was marketing himself as this like wealthy guy with sports cars, in an attempt to lure young girls, solicit nude pics, and attempt to meet up with them in person. So police discovered that the real man behind this account was a guy named Keegan Anthony Klein, who's 27, not a model. Google him, not a model who was involved in a separate investigation that was ex- executed just days after Abby and Libby were murdered. And in this search at his home, police found hundreds of sexually explicit photos and media on his computer of these underage girls that he was luring online. So he was charged with one count of child solicitation, one count of child exploitation, two counts of chi- or, uh, possession of child pornography, And then one count of synthetic identity deception, which I didn't even know was a thing.
1: It's like catfishing, like a legal term for catfishing?
0: I guess, yeah. And then one count of obstruction of justice. So, however, to my understanding, there is nothing groundbreaking that connects Keegan Klein directly to Abby and Libby's murders. It seems more coincidental that this discovery of his online activity correlates with the days that Abby and Libby went missing but I want to know what's not being released. Cause I feel like there's something else. There's a reason that this is hitting headlines. There's a reason why people are talking about this in relation to the Delphi murders. Like there's gotta be more. So I guess we'll just kind of wait and see what else comes out. Um, I don't think the guy necessarily resembles the one in the picture, like in the video. Um, Keegan Klein is very overweight. And the guy on the, um, Video looks more like a middle-aged, like stocky guy, but not necessarily overweight. We have
1: on like a, I don't. Know, for some reason, I remember like a brown leather jacket and a brown like.
0: It was blue. He had hats. like a, I think if I remember correctly, without having it right in front of me, he had like a brownish hoodie with like a blue jacket over it.
1: Wasn't one of those hats that like doesn't have a bill?
0: Yes, one of those like golfer-looking hats. Yeah. I don't know how to what what those are called. Yeah, weird. But anyway, so um, whatever comes of that, we will of course keep you guys updated. I like to, I like to come across um, updates on cases that we've covered before. So if th- more comes of it, I will let you know. So um, before we get started with today's actual episode, we got to shout out some Patreons. Yep. So Alicia Castaneda, Allison Denning, Kelsey Lewis, Candace Bynum. Tiffany Ruark, Cheyenne Kiko, Carrie Hughes, and Jessica Ebersold. Thank you so much.
1: Got some cool names in there, Kiko.
0: Yeah, from Hawaii. Ooh, our
1: first Hawaiian Patreon. Yes,
0: I really want to get a map and like start putting pins on every state where we have a Patreon because we have a lot. Well, you
1: got international.
0: It's and I mean, we have some just across domestic. the pond. I mean,
1: come on, we're international in here.
0: Yeah, it's very exciting. It's, it's very good. cool. I appreciate you guys. It's a so today's episode is on the disappearance of Summer Wells, and it was recommended by Jenny Cathcart. So shout out to Jenny.
1: Hey, Jenny. <laughs> I didn't know Jenny listened like this. Yeah. Is she a
0: Patreon. I don't know. Gosh,
1: that was kind of high pressure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Put her on the spot. Kelly, what do Patreons get, by the way? Patreons get monthly stickers that I curate, and we get them made by um, IMD Graphics here. In, it's a local business around here that prints vinyls, and we're very grateful for um, their help with that. And they get ad-free episodes, and then I do my best to um, publish an exclusive episode once a month, strictly for our Patreons. And then, of course, we get recommendations from our Patreons, and I pay close attention to those recommendations. But let's not
1: forget, with the stickers, you get a personalized note, autographed, (laughs) autographed. By Kelly.
0: That all end up in the trash. No, I'm sure of it. No. I am one hundred thousand percent people, sure
1: of it. No, I bet you some people are framing them. Framing <laughs> you, them. You Austin. I'm that's it. Them.
0: You are not. You don't yeah. get them. Anyway.
1: Get lots more than autographs. Let's go.
0: <laughs> okay. So today's episode, we are talking about the disappearance of Summer Wells. So Summer Moon, Utah Wells is this adorable five-year-old little girl from Rogersville, Tennessee. Cool name.
1: Summer Moon, Utah Wells. Yes.
0: Just wait. The names in this story are going to probably blow your mind. So she's from Rogersville, Tennessee, which is in the Northeast corner of Tennessee. She was born to parents, Candace Bly and Don Wells. So... Before we get into what has happened, we're going to start off with the parents. Candace Bly, she was born with a serious heart defect and had to be flown as a newborn infant to a hospital in Wisconsin as soon as she was born. And I don't know what her specific diagnosis is or was, but she appears to have really struggled growing up mentally and financially. When she was a teenager, she became an employee of this traveling carnival. So she was like a carny, I guess is what you call that. Call that. And while working and traveling with the carnival, Candace met a much older guy named Andrew, and they started a relationship that resulted in two children, a boy named Andrew and a girl named Candace. So we're just, <laughs> just so we're straight. Summer's mom is Candace. She has a half sister named summer has a half sister named candace and her grandmother is also named candace oh, Lord. But, but goes by candy so i'm sorry if it gets confusing i'm gonna really try to keep it all straight well, you but, say
1: like when you do it you say candace grandma candace sister candace mom
0: yeah i can i can try that i have it you know grandma candace is candy so i'm gonna call her candy and summer's mom candace is candace and this, the half-sister isn't involved um, in this story, so we can just still call her Candace. And I promise I'm going to try to keep it clear. But anyway, back to Candace and Andrew. Their relationship was pretty rocky as he was controlling and abusive, and they abused drugs together, like meth was, I think, the most common one. The kids were actually taken from their custody at a very young age, and the daughter wasn't even a year old at the time. And according to a recent comment on Facebook that was allegedly written by the daughter, Candace, she wrote, quote, I was adopted at six months, put back into foster care around the age of 12, along with my brother. I was told my bio mom was a meth head and abused us as babies. She has a record. Not sure if she has one in Tennessee, but she has one or a few in Wisconsin for sure. I've never met any other siblings besides my biological brother, Andrew. End quote. So um, that's kind of where sister Candace involvement ends. Okay. Okay. Then on um, August 21st of 2009, Candace's sister, Rose Bly, left her home in St. Croix Falls. I think that's how you say it. St. St. Croix. St. Croix Falls, Wisconsin to visit with a cousin and she was never seen again. So Candace's sister disappears And her car was found without her keys or her purse inside, but she has never been found. Now, fast forward 12 years, and Rose's little five-year-old niece is missing as well. So I don't know that there's a direct connection other than maybe just really bad luck, but it does seem odd that Candace Bly has a sister go missing and then later a daughter go missing. It's just kind of crazy. So Candace eventually moved from Wisconsin to Arkansas, which is where she met Don Wells. And they started a relationship and got pregnant with their first son before moving to Tennessee to help take care of Don's mom, who was suffering from MRSA at the time. MRSA, for those of you who don't know, I assume you probably don't know Austin.
1: Oh, because you're just an idiot.
0: No, because earlier you didn't know know what a phlebotomist was. I don't know anything
1: about medical stuff, (laughs) so just go ahead and tell me. It's a fair (laughs) assumption. So,
0: thank you. So, MRSA is a type of staph infection that is resistant to common antibiotics, and it can be very dangerous and difficult to treat. And Don's mom, unfortunately, succumbed to MRSA and left 11 acres of land to Don and Candace, which kind of catches us up to where we are now. So, Don and Candace would eventually have a total of four kids together, three boys and one girl, which is Summer. But let's discuss Donnie Wells for a second. Donnie was raised primarily by his father, Don.
1: Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Give me a break. This is a joke.
0: It's not a joke. It's very real.
1: Donnie, Don, Candace, 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 and Summer.
0: Yeah. Don had Donnie, and then Donnie has a son named Don later also. (laughs) I'm not joking. Okay. So Donnie Wells is who is with Candace, okay? Donnie's dad is named Don. And Donnie's parents split when Donnie was really young, and um, his parents had issues with substance abuse. Um, his mom remarried a man named Kelly, who apparently was sexually abusive in ways I'm not 100% sure. That's just all I know. But for the most part, Donnie was raised by his biological father, Don, okay? Okay. He had two sisters growing up, and then when his dad remarried, it was with a woman who had six children, and I'm pretty sure they were all girls. When they blended their families together and moved in together, there was a total of nine children living in this house. And according to Donnie's stepsister, Jeannie, just one of the sisters— On that first night in their new house, Jeannie was only five years old and Donnie was like 11 or 12 at the time. And Donnie sexually abused her. And he continued to do this for years. I'm unsure if he did this with all of his other stepsisters. I would be inclined to think it's certainly possible. This sounds so reminiscent of like the Duggar situation. But it's, you know, suffice it to say, Donnie was a very troubled kid, okay? On another occasion, Donnie was outside in the barn playing with matches, and he accidentally burned down their barn, which housed horses and cattle and goats, all of which perished in this fire. So he's obviously, like, kind of just getting into trouble. I don't know if there's any supervision. sounds like there's not, but... By the time he became a teenager, he was stealing and getting into even bigger trouble with the law, like violent offenses, drug offenses. Um, He was still molesting his little sister at home, and by this point, the parents did know about it. I don't know exactly when they found out, but I know that they eventually did find out about it, and asked this little sister not to press charges so that Donnie would stay out of jail, which... I know is an all-too-common thing that you know families try to protect members of their family. We well, see it in the Duggar situation. We're just going to have to make an episode about it, probably, mm. because Jim Bob and Michelle Duggar. Jim Bob is such a ridiculous name. But they did a lot to try to protect their oldest son, even though he had abused some of their daughters. It just blows my mind. Mm. But anyway, when... When Donnie was asked as an adult about his sexual abuse with his sister, Jeannie, he literally said, cause like this was a recent interview. Okay. He literally said that Jeannie was just as culpable and that their relationship was a consensual mutual relationship. He went on to say, quote, so we kind of had a relationship when we were younger. Yeah. I was a bit older. I had a dirt bike. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but Anyway, he said, You know, I don't know how old I was exactly, but she started dating her cousin, who was about 12 years old at the time. And ever since then, she just wanted me out of the picture and started all this hateful stuff. End quote. So. I had a dirt
1: bike. <laughs> I had a it dirt bike. It reminds b- me of that movie. i always referencing movies, especially this one, Trainwreck. Reminds me of the movie. I was the first man on my block. Tone of TV. Tona colored television. Tona co- and, and she goes, "That's that's interesting. That's really interesting. It's irrelevant, but it's interesting.
0: Yeah, that's neat, Raymond. Yeah. It's not relevant. It's cool. Whatever. Okay, go ahead. So Donnie, if you do the math, okay, he was about fifteen at the time, and that would make Jeannie like seven years old. So. Three.
1: Gosh, it's like infuriating. It is. She. It was consensual. My ass.
0: Exactly. And you're saying that as an adult. You still believe that you did nothing wrong. I doesn't really
1: believe it. He's con- Maybe he sold himself on that. Maybe. But that's bullshit. Yeah. Nobody thinks that's okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's convinced himself that it is, but... Anyway, so we see, even as an adult, he's trying to make excuses for that kind of vile behavior, okay? And this is just the tip of the iceberg of strange behavior that we see from this family. But anyway, because of his other run-ins that he had with the law, he ended up going to prison for two years. And when he got out, everyone had these hopes that maybe that was the change Johnny needed, and maybe prison was going to be the rock bottom, and he'd come back a changed man, But the first night home, out of prison, he started right back where he left off, abusing his little sister, Jeannie. And Jeannie went straight to her parents to tell them what was going on, hoping that this would be the last straw. But unfortunately, it wasn't. And to this day, Donnie was never charged with anything that had to do with his sister. So eventually, Donnie gets really bad into drugs and alcohol. And he ends up meeting this woman named Pamela at a trap house. So, Don and Pamela hook up. And I just want to clarify that I know I kind of bounced back because I talked about how Don and Candace met, but this is, I kind of bounced back to where, to pre Candace, just to give you background on Donnie. So, anyway, Donnie meets this chick, Pamela, at a trap house. They hook up, they start this relationship, produce two kids. So now we have Don Jr. and Margie, okay? Naturally, these two kids were neglected. Their home was filthy. They were never bathed or fed. And Don and Pamela were just completely incapable of taking care of these kids. Don's sisters would try their best to come and take care of the kids. They would call CPS to file reports. Nothing ever came of it. At one point, Pamela was forced by the court to take a parenting class, but the kids were never actually removed from the home like they should have been. I mean, it... You see the system fail so many times. This is just another example. But when Margie was about three years old, Don's sister tried to adopt her. And Don was all for it, but Pamela, I guess, wouldn't allow it. So it didn't work out. But at one point, Don even tried to sell his son, Don Jr., so that he could get money for drugs. But Pamela found out and somehow stopped him. Needless to say, this incredibly toxic environment had an effect on little Don Jr., and when he grew up, he got himself into trouble. And by the age of 19, he was having a relationship with a 14-year-old girl, got this girl pregnant, so the mom pressed charges on little Don Jr., so he ended up having to register as a sex offender. So what we're seeing is this trend and this trickle-down effect of just bad choices, Mm just bad seeds. So eventually Don left Pamela and moved to Arkansas, which is where he met Candace. And that brings us back to where we are today, to their sprawling 11 acre estate in the Tennessee boondocks. So on this property, Don and Candace shared a 780 square foot home placed on the side of a hill with this super steep ravine right outside. And it's surrounded by 11 acres of just like lush woods. Okay. There are no nearby visible neighbors with the exception of Summer's grandma, Candy, who lives in a camper on the property. So on June 15th of this year, Summer and her mom, Candace, took Candy to the ER because Candy was having an issue with her knee. And so they go to the ER and they drop her off. And rather than wait in the hot car while Candy was in the ER, Candace and Summer went to a friend's house to just hang out until Candy was ready to be picked up. So at this friend's house, um, the friend had like a 15-year-old boy, okay? His name's Hunter. And they're all hanging out. And by the time Candy was ready to be picked up, Hunter opted to tag along with Candace and Summer. So they pick up candy, they stop by a vape shop where they bought three nicotine vape pens, and then they took Candace to Walgreens to drop off her prescription, where they were told it would be like a 30-minute wait, okay? Again, rather than sit around in this hot car, they opted to go to a nearby pond or like watering hole to swim. So Summer and this 15-year-old boy Hunter... Summer's five. Summer's five. Summer and Hunter are swimming in this pond, and it's all recorded. Like this um, swimming excursion is— Surveillance. No, its Candace recorded it and put it on her TikTok. Oh, okay. So there is video of Summer and Hunter swimming around in the watering hole from that day. And you can see in the video, summer swimming and pl- splashing. It's like pretty shallow. And then the 15-year-old boy comes out and he's like knee deep in the pond. So it just kind of like gives you an idea of the setting of where they're at. But anyway, after swimming for a little bit, they leave to go pick up the prescription. They stop at a price less, which is like a grocery store, I guess, for some groceries. They drop the boy back off at home. And then in a subsequent interview later on, Hunter, this boy, claimed that at one point, Summer slipped and fell, hitting her head on a rock, and that she was under the water for like 20 seconds. But Candace denies that that ever happened. This story has not been corroborated because you have to remember, they made two stops after swimming at Walgreens to pick up the prescription and at Priceless to pick up groceries after they went swimming. So, Surely, Summer would have been seen on like CCTV footage, um, or there would have been more proof that she was missing or that she was harmed prior to that. But on their way home, after stopping at Priceless to get groceries, Summer fell asleep in the back seat of their car, and she was like laying against a couple gallons of milk. And Candice snapped a video of her, or maybe she had Candy do it, but. Anyway, there's video of Summer laying against these gallons of milk, and she doesn't look like she's hurt. She looks like she's asleep. So, so I don't believe the hitting the head under the water for 20 seconds story. I think maybe Hunter just wanted to be involved in the drama. I don't know. But that's just part of the story. So, uh, okay,
1: When was that story made up?
0: Shortly after Summer went missing, because June 15th is the day Summer went missing. And I'm just giving you a recap of everything that happened that day up until the point that she actually went missing. Okay. So according to Candace, when they got home that day around 3 p.m., they unloaded their groceries, and then Candace's mom, Candy, wanted to rearrange some flowers in front of her camper. So Summer helped Candace and Candy plant the flowers while Summer's brothers, she had three brothers, they're all inside the home. They were like watching YouTube or playing a video game on the TV. I've heard that story go both ways, but either way, they were in the house watching TV. After they were done planting, they watched, washed their hands. Summer got a piece of candy from grandma. And then Summer asked if she could go inside the house with her three brothers so that she could play with her toys downstairs. So Candace watched her walk into the house and then followed her in after just a few minutes. But when Candace went into the house, she asked the boys where Summer was, and they told her that she went downstairs to play in the toy room. So I watched a video, and it's on the News Nation Now YouTube channel. And in this video, Candace was giving a tour of the home, and this is shortly after Summer went missing. And it shows you exactly where everyone was on June 15th. This house is 780 square feet. It's not like you're going to get lost in there. It's really small. It's really, really messy. It's completely packed full of stuff. It's like a hoarder situation. You can barely see the floor. It's very messy. But that's not even what had me so puzzled. Candace shows the interviewer how to get to the basement where the playroom, parents' room, and Summer's room were located and rather than there being like a typical set of stairs, there's no stairs. You have to crawl through this crawl space to get down there. There was like a table set up in the middle of the room. You kind of crawl under the table, and then there's this hole that goes down to the to the crawl space. Yeah, is like it crawl to the space,
1: or is it like living space?
0: No, it's like a it's like a living space, but it's not what you and I would consider no. to be like a livable living space. It's just where they happen to have is it dirt floor. I don't it's think like it's the dirt, dirt floor, walls but there the The walls were like concrete, and then there like was finished? like shelving. No, it's not finished. It's can
1: it's just bizarre. You can stand up down there.
0: You can stand I'm up. I'm just
1: trying to picture this. Yeah. I've been in a lot of small dinky houses. I've been in stuff like this. Like I, I'm trying to picture.
0: It. Yeah, you I can mean, stand up full you, size. You can stand up down. there. They have there. a
1: bedroom down there and a playroom.
0: They have a bed and a playroom down there, and then there's like shelving. There's just like shelving you would find in like a garage. You're to show me the video. I can show you the video and I can... And
1: link it in the thing so other people can see it. Of
0: course. Yeah, I will. All of my...
1: But there's no steps. They're going down a hole under the table.
0: Yeah. And I think they're stepping on either like shelving or like a ladder of some sort, but there's no steps. There's no stairs.
1: I mean, I've been in like a small, like six, 700 square foot house before and down low, there's a... It's not a crawl space. It's a full size basement, but it's an unfinished basement with... But there's there's block walls Mm -hmm. and you go down a little ladder to get to it. But this yeah. sounds so strange.
0: It is strange. And it's strange for so many reasons, but... Um, but how would this little five-year-old get down there? By going down that hole. Or there's a door to the outside.
1: Okay, that would make more sense. When you st- said there wasn't stairs, I thought you were going to say you go outside and you walk downstairs like in a cellar to the basement.
0: No. It, the house is set up where there's like a door that co- goes outside, but you just have to like walk around this and kind of go down a hill to get to the back of the house. But if you're trying to get into the basement from the inside of the house, you have to go down this crawl space. Sounds like a trap house. <laughs> it is. It, that's exactly Sorry, what it sounds like. To take shit. No, I don't blame and you. I'm sure people listening shit are everywhere. To, yes, it's just completely packed full of shit. <laughs> it's that's
1: so
0: weird. It's pretty bad. Link the video for sure. I will. And just in case anyone is ever wondering, the sources to the content I talk about and write. It's always cited and always listed in the script that is posted on Patreon. I need to start putting it on our um, show notes too. But anyway, I always cite my sources, so I will definitely have that video up. You're
1: not just making shit up.
0: Definitely not. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, um, Candace goes down to look for her and Summer isn't there. She scoured the house looking for Summer, but it's like she just literally vanished. There was an unlocked door in the basement that led to the outside, and like I said, it was unlocked. So the only possible conclusion Candace could come up with in that moment was that Summer maybe left through that door. And she gathered the boys to help search for Summer. She called her husband, Donnie. At this point, it's like 6.30, um, to let him know what was going on. Donnie told Candace to hang up and call 911 because she apparently hadn't done that yet, and he immediately left work to head home and help look for Summer. He called 911 on his way home also. But Don said that once he pulled onto his property and he saw his boys outside looking for Summer and some neighbors outside trying to help, he just knew in his gut that she had been abducted. Like, that was his first thought. So police responded immediately with the TBI, the Sheriff's Department, and the FBI, all... What is TBI? Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. Each state has their own bureau. And then there's the federal, the FBI, which is big time. So by 9 p.m., the TBI sent out an endangered child alert, which would immediately alert the public. And a command center was quickly established. Search teams were formed on land and even in helicopters above. Within that first 24 hours, over 100 trained professionals from 19 different agencies showed up to help look for summer, which was a lot for this small rural area. The search for summer was as difficult and extensive as it was dangerous. Searchers marched through thick brush, swampy areas. They even propelled down mountainsides in search for summer. And this area is home to bears and snakes and coyotes. It's not a place that you would want to be lost, especially as a tiny five-year-old girl. So meanwhile, locals took to social media and news of Summer's disappearance began to spread like wildfire. And questions started to arise, like, for example, why did this beautiful five-year-old little girl have her head shaved? Because in the pictures that were taken from that day, she has a shaved head. She has blonde hair, but it's shaved like at a buzz cut. So her parents explained that by saying that Summer tried to cut her hair herself so that she could match her brother's. And then Candace shaved her own head to make Summer feel better about it. I don't these know. these people
1: are on drugs, right?
0: It That would be an assumption. Okay. But it's, it's
1: not, so it's not proven. It's not proven. But it, run, it kind of is like a thing in their family and...
0: It's kind of like... Potentially you would think they are. When you watch interviews of Candace talking, it, it appears to me, and this might be a judgmental thing for me to say, but it appears to me that she's on some sort of pills, like that she's on some sort of depressant Gosh. because she talks very slow. Her words are slurred. Her eyes don't fully close when she blinks. It, I, I grew up around addiction, so I do feel like I have a pretty good radar for when someone is using. I don't believe that she's completely sober. If she is sober, she's got some mental deficiencies. That's the (laughs) most politically correct way I can say it. So anyway, um, regardless of the shaving the head thing, there were also questions about Summer's parents and their behavior past and present. So as recent as October of 2020, Candace and Dawn got into an altercation, which resulted in Candace calling the cops. And when the deputies arrived, they found Don driving drunk up his own driveway. And upon inspection of his vehicle, they found a pistol in his glove box, which is a big no-no when you have a felony on your record. Or when
1: you're drunk driving.
0: Also when you're drunk driving, yes. It's a very bad deal. So, I know somebody
1: who was drunk, and they were just sleeping in their car, but there was a gun either in the glove box or on the floorboard, and it was a felony. You can't be in possession of a weapon when you're drunk.
0: Well, but also as a felon, you can't have a a weapon. So double whammy. Yes, exactly. Double whammy. (laughs) Yes. So Candace ultimately filed for an order of protection after this for her and their kids. She wrote in this request for an order of protection, quote, he drinks and throws things. I am afraid of being hurt. He is physically abusive and mentally towards me. I am afraid for my children and myself. My mother fears he is going to hurt her because she is staying in her camper on the property, end quote. But then less than a week after filing this, she had it dropped and the couple made up, I guess. But it's just an example of their toxic relationship that sometimes it gets a little volatile. So in an interview posted on June 29th, just a couple weeks after Summer's disappearance, Candace and Dawn were being asked to recount the events from that day, but also talk about Summer and the things that she loves. And they frequently used the past tense, which is a really big red flag. You've said this before. Yeah, and it's a, it's something that a lot of people picked up on, even them. They'd say, she loved to dance. She loved her friend Robin from church. She was so happy. Like, she was a happy child. Rather
1: than she loves. She is a happy child.
0: Exactly. Like, is there something you know that we don't? Like, why not? It, you know, if my child was missing and I didn't know if they were alive or dead, I would hold up every last ounce of hope that they were still alive until I knew for sure that they weren't. So... They addressed this, though. They did say, like, I know people don't like it when I say past tense. I'm sorry about that. But, like, that's literally how they talk about it. It's it's mind-blowing watching these interviews, okay? So then two months after Summer's disappearance, in the midst of candlelight vigils and prayer services to help bring Summer home, Candace makes this really bizarre 12-minute phone call to Dawn's sister, Mary, which is all recorded because Candace recorded it. So on this call, which can be found on YouTube, and I would play it for you, but it's really hard to understand what she's saying without the captions. So I'll just kind of um, sum it up for you. But on this phone call, Candace is bawling hysterically to Mary, saying that the police came and took Donnie away and that they're flying him all the way to Boston, Massachusetts because of something Jeannie and her friends did. Remember, Jeannie is that sister that he abused Mm -hmm. as a child. And she isn't sure what or why, but Mary, on the other end, is trying to console her and like put these pieces together because she's obviously super confused as well. And at one point in the phone call, Candace says, Storm the Capitol, that's all I know.
1: She's (laughs) out
0: and Mary, on the other hand, is still just trying to put these pieces together. And she's like, Well, are you sure they didn't say Utah? And Candace says, quote, Well, they mentioned Mafia stuff, something about 80000 dollars I don't know. Like you just you just have to listen to it. But
1: Does she talk like that all slurred?
0: Yes. It's exactly. It. I mean, it's actually worse than how I just did it. <laughs> But the call went on for a while. Like I said, it was 12 minutes long, and it's all with, like, the same hysterics. And then finally, after the phone call, Don and Candace come out to say that that whole phone call was a prank.
1: Oh, my gosh. This is all red flags.
0: They made no explanation for why they would pull such an extensive prank on Don's sister, especially when their daughter is missing and if you listen to the phone call, Candace sounds completely beside herself. And Mary, who has already put up with so much of Don's shit through the years, is trying to like kindly console Candace, but she's getting played the whole time. And Candace on this phone call shows more emotion over a fake event than she has the whole time that her daughter has been missing. So it's really alarming.
1: The guy was never headed anywhere? No,
0: he was there in the room. Candace said that Don was coaching her to so it was things all made to say. up. It literally. was a joke. It was a joke. But like, go listen to it. It's not, it doesn't sound like a joke. I mean, it's it's really sick. It's sick. So Don also did an interview with Chris from the interview room on YouTube. And when Chris asked, What should happen to the perpetrator who was involved in Summer's disappearance? Don did not know how to answer that question. So Chris said, do you think you should be in prison? And Don said, quote, I don't know if I could do that, to be honest with you. It just depends on all the circumstances, end quote. Like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Your child is missing. You're, You're certain that your child was abducted. And you're saying, like, maybe we should hear the perpetrator out. Maybe we should hear the kidnapper out. Like, we don't know. We don't know. Like, what? That's crazy to me. And... Like, granted, I've also watched their interview on Dr. Phil, and there were two um, agents on this show that were, like, questioning them. They were, like, behavioral analysts or something. And they were asking Donnie these questions, like, how do you react to people who um, are mean to you on social media or accusatory of, of you on social media? And Don, taking the most literal sense of that question, was like, um, I usually respond on the phone or on internet. Like, he's not understanding what they mean by that question. Like, you're that dense? You're that dense. So, I don't know. Um, anyway, I guess that's just here here nor there. It's just something to think about. But on the night of October 30th, Don, this year, was arrested for driving under the influence And he was released on Bond the next morning. And as soon as he got out, he immediately took to social media to post on October 31st this video on the family's YouTube channel. Because they have this YouTube channel, and all the videos are, like, one to two minutes long. They're really short. It's bizarre.
1: Of these idiots talking?
0: Yeah, or they're just like – or it's like a video of a screenshot of a post that they make. It's just bizarre. I don't know. But – In this video, it's titled, quote, "'Bad Decision.'" And it's a screen grab of a post that I believe was made to their website. But anyway, it says, quote, "'Thank you for prayers. Thank you, everyone, for kind messages. There are no words to what each day and night is like. We need cigarettes. It was a stupid decision. Please keep us in prayer. Keep Dawn. This pain won't go away.' Thank you, end quote. Word for word, that is what it says.
1: I don't even like, have anything to say <laughs> this stuff. Honestly, all I keep thinking is, you know, I can tell you like true crime because you put like hours into researching these to give us these condensed stories and I'm sitting here thinking like, I, I I wouldn't have the energy to listen to 12 minutes of these idiots or watch their videos or like, you listen to that, what they just said. We need cigarettes, blah, blah, blah. You guys are idiots. Like, the,
0: the people The thing suck. Is- The thing that confuses me the most about this case is that, like, I cannot get into this headspace. Like, I can't figure out what the hell is going on. Sometimes you can kind of weed through the bullshit and be like, oh, this is probably what happened. This is the root of it.
1: Yeah. Or this is the root of why they did it. And it wasn't a good reason, but I can at least see a motive. These people, I feel like it's just, we're going round and round in circles of... uh, Just fucking idiots.
0: Yes. And it's so when people talk about the disappearance of Summer Wells and how you go down this rabbit hole. Of nothing. That's exactly what it's like. And you feel like after all of this, because still, as of December 6th, when I wrote this, and now it's the 9th she's still missing and her case is running cold. The TBI and the Hawkins County Sheriff's Office continue their search, hoping that as the weather changes and winter approaches, that like the bare branches on the trees and the reduced overgrowth of the area might make it easier to find clues. They haven't stopped searching for summer. They continue to do everything in their power to find her, but nothing has come up. And as always...
1: And it's not like you have hope because of these people these they, oh, yeah. they give you no hope.
0: Yeah, they're they're not giving interviews to major news stations. They're doing like social media interviews because they think that's like their best route. But I just I don't even know. I mean, I that's it. Like that's all I have. They're
1: not doing major news interviews because they don't want to be more under the spotlight of being sus.
0: I don't even know if they're th- that smart to think that way. I think they're literally so simple-minded that...
1: But they don't want to really find her because it sounds like they're involved in it. Right. It's, Does that not last post you said, I need cigarettes, we made a mistake? Does that not sound like, yeah, we can't sleep at night because we regret what we did, but we're too stupid to... Uh, I don't know.
0: I don't know. The thing is, Austin, I feel like you could literally go down any branch of this rabbit hole and make it make sense. That's why it's so confusing because you can make, make, make anything sense. make sense and at the same time make nothing make sense. I was just going to say, I can't
1: make anything make sense of this besides it was them.
0: Right. So, like, my head, when I was thinking about it, I was like, okay, well, Donnie has been known to try to sell one of his kids before for drugs. So is that what he did? Did he try to sell Summer? It's plausible. It makes sense. So sad. It's effed. Did somebody come by and take her from the back of the house because the door was unlocked? Sure. Could have happened. That makes sense.
1: Did, they kill did she her?
0: wander out and get lost? because she was five i mean they say that that wasn't like typical of her but does it make sense sure okay i get what you're saying so like that's what i'm saying is like so at the end of the day any of it makes sense and yet nothing makes sense but it
1: makes sense It makes the most sense for me to know that they know what's up
0: yeah do you agree i agree that like how did nobody see anything how did the brothers inside which from what i understand the The brothers have been removed from their custody, and from what I've heard, their stories have been corroborated as far as, like, they saw Summer come inside, they saw her go downstairs, and then they didn't see her after that. So, like, was someone waiting downstairs that took Summer out? Like, how did Candy and Candace, who were outside, not hear anything, not see anything? This is an isolated property. However, it's surrounded by woods. So, like...
1: And these people are free people. They can, yeah. li- they can listen to this podcast. Yeah. I was wondering. I, just think, I think it's weird. Yeah. That's so crazy.
0: So anyway, that's where five-year-old girl still missing. She's still she's missing. She's wide open-ended. She's this adorable five-year-old blonde little girl. Like I said, she did have her, sh- her head shaved, but that was in June. It's been six months, so maybe her hair is a little longer, I would hope, by now, if she's still alive. Um, there's so many theories and... Oh, you could you could get lost among the theories, which is why I really tried to keep it to Fact. more factual stuff.
1: Is this is this the is this like is this something that all these people listening will know about and like general public knows about? Like I'm living under a rock because I don't, or is this?
0: So some people I think will know about it because it's been on TikTok and there's been a lot of theories like floating around on TikTok just because you have like armchair detectives, which I'm not downplaying. I. Call myself an armchair detective. (laughs) Like, but you have these people who are like zooming in on photos and, you know, trying to change lighting and contrast in photos to see if they can pick up on any clues. Like, so anyway, it's kind of taken over social media in that way that people are really investing time and trying to figure out what happened. Um, so I, it's
1: not getting national news. It's
0: for some reason it's not getting national news now. It was on Dr. Phil, but it it, uh... definitely did not blow up like Gabby Petito's did. Yeah.
1: I know this is, like, I brought this up before, but, like, that I Hate Cats documentary. Yes. Where it is a bunch of armchair detectives at home, and you yeah. freaking find these this guy out yeah. of a video in his room. Like, by using the TV audio in the background, and then where's the quilt from? I mean, like, mm-hmm. it is fascinating. If yes. you haven't seen that, I'm not into crime, okay? Don't care about it. I think Kelly does a good job telling the stories and keeps me entertained for 40 minutes. But beyond that, I don't. That I hate cats documentary.
0: Don't fuck with cats. Is is what it's called. Don't fuck
1: with. It's insane.
0: It is insane. If you
1: if you have any interest in this podcast, you should turn that on for at least two episodes and watch it. Because some
0: parts are hard to get through. Because I will let you know it. Well, no, because it involves animal abuse, and that part bothered me more than the people abuse. No, same, but (laughs) which is weird. It's
1: bonkers. Yeah, it's. I think it's interesting when you apply it to a case like this that's unsolved and like. Really, like you said, can be made. Everything can be made sense, but nothing can be made sense. Right? Yeah.
0: Good job. Thank you. We'll keep you guys updated if anything else comes of it, and if anything comes of any of our, our other episodes, I'll keep you updated on those as well. Um, we
1: appreciate you. Yeah. Hey, give reviews to us. We need some reviews. Kelly used to hit me up. I'd wake up in the morning, and she she wakes up a little before me, and she'd send me a text of these reviews, and it'd be like. Austin's so annoying but Kelly does great or <laughs> five stars or Austin's the funniest guy alive and Kelly's okay too and
0: <laughs> Nobody's ever nobody left said one that. like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Anyways.
0: Mama. Yeah, leave us a review. We would Missed. appreciate it. Out. Bye.